We're back. But are you? Back to school, that is. That annual milestone for kids and parents across America is upon us. Things may look a little different now, but there are plenty of touchstones we can all look back on fondly. Pack your lunches, sharpen those number two pencils, and pledge allegiance. This is Wayback Attack. Welcome to Wayback Attack. My name is Brian Grantham, and sitting across from me, as always, is Preston Burke. Preston, are you ready to go sit at some other table? Because this, all these seats here are taken for me and my best buds. You are not allowed. Sorry, buddy. No, no, no. I, I'm not down with any of that. My future is so bright. I gotta wear shades, my friend. <laughs> I am ready to go back to school. My kids are already back to school, and it is a whole new world, man. It is awesome. Uh, are your kids going back to school now? They are doing the digital learning thing. Uh, we decided not to um, put them into Gen Pop and um and decided to keep them home so they can do uh at least until december just to see how it all goes you know get some feelers out there uh so i I remembered there was something crazy that happened and i remember texting my ex-wife and being like i guess we made a good decision because i don't remember exactly (laughs) what it was now but i remember going okay well good at least at least they're at home that's cool, man. Yeah, mine are back in person because I feel really, uh, I feel really good about the situation there with the mask requirements and the social distancing and all kinds of stuff like that. But what a weird, weird world uh, starting this school year. I mean, you know, I know times change, and our generation had it differently than this current generation and so forth. But there were still like most things were the same and so for them to have these new restrictions and stuff it's just so weird and it's going to be it's going to be locked into their memories forever it's going to be like this collective memory that everybody has it's going to be really really crazy and so i thought tonight we'll get into it in a little bit later but i thought uh this show would be a great show to theme as our back to school episode and talk about some of those things that we really really remember um, that are kind of across the board, but mm-hmm. maybe also a few things that just you remember or just I remember as far as pop culture goes too. So I know you got a good list, but um, anything else been going on? I don't know if you noticed, I look a little different tonight. I, <laughs> For those of you watching, um, I am decked out in Blockbuster gear. I have a Blockbuster trucker's cap. <laughs> I've got a Blockbuster t-shirt and uh, wearing some shades that have uh, the Blockbuster insignia on there. And I am a card-carrying member of Blockbuster as well because I am supporting uh, Bend Oregon's Blockbuster, which is the last Blockbuster on Earth. I saw they were doing a, um, a uh, what is it, merch sale. Uh-huh. So I had to get in on the action, man. See, here I thought that you were going back to Blockbuster school. Now... When, since you worked there, when when they had did they have training videos that you that you had to do? 
I really don't recall a training video at all. Oh, man. I was really hoping it was going to be called like, you know, director school or something like that for this for the <laughs> store manager training. <laughs> they may have had it, but I, I don't remember it. Um, it well, did uh, did you see that they were selling all this stuff? I, I, I don't think I bought everything, but I bought almost all the good stuff. They have a lot of cool things, but I think we talked, maybe we talked about it on the last episode. They're also trying to diversify and have the Airbnb. Have you seen that? No, you sleep in a blockbuster. So the, the, yeah, the, the last blockbuster, they have set it up for like a, it's a very promotional period kind of thing. Like a, I forget there it's just for a couple of weeks or it's like one lucky winner or something, but yeah, they decked it out with like a bed and everything and you can sleep in a blockbuster. I, I th I'm sure it was just for marketing purposes to, to get things in, but it's working, man. Cause they got lots of ink on that and they got lots of ink about the, these, uh, merch sales. So do you, so if I remember correctly, blockbusters corporate headquarters was in Waycross, Georgia. Is that right? Does that sound right to you? Oh, I don't know. Um, I was never into the corporate headquarters because the store that I worked at was a franchise store. And so we had like a, a franchise uh, district. Mm. But yeah, I don't, the, I don't know. Something was. I feel like it was I, f I feel like it was a blockbuster. But um, I wonder. So this last blockbuster that's that is up and running, is it is, is it corporate? I mean, if it's the last one, I mean, it can't be right. Yeah, I don't think I think it's just they pay for the the licensing probably. Hmm. And um I'm sure there's some sort of holdings group yeah. that owns the Blockbuster name and they negotiated with them to be able to still operate as a Blockbuster even though they're not like Blockbuster proper. You know what we should do? We should start we should start a GoFundMe and buy the Blockbuster copyright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How much do you think that costs? It's it can't it's be a pretty that strong brand, man. It's it's probably a couple million at least. I don't think so. You think it's that much? Like like yeah. what are they going to do with what are they going to do with that name? I mean, all right, so granted, um I have a t-shirt that probably came from Walmart or something that I got for Christmas last year uh that is a Blockbuster video t-shirt. So, I guess they're making money from licensing it out for that kind of thing. Um I just can't imagine it is that it's worth that much. That would be shocking to me. I I would like to know. Put out feelers. Well, think about this. The name brings a lot of, of name rec it brings a lot of power to it. If if you had a, made a movie game, yeah, and not branded it as the blockbuster video game, mo I mean movie game that's on the shelves at Target right now, yeah. do you think that that would have sold half as well as a blockbuster game? Well, that no. game in particular, probably not. But like stuff like Seen It, which is a you know, I would think would be a better game, like a better name to license for that because everybody knows Seen It. You remember those games? Do you remember those games? <laughs> so I think you're losing your argument right there. I love Seen It. I love those games. They were my, they're oh, like man. some of my favorites. I had a Harry Potter one and just a general TV one. Those things were great. <laughs> I have that blockbuster game, and I don't think I don't think I'm a huge fan of it. I played I only played it once, so. It's uh, it's kind of fast paced and frenetic. So for people who need like more trivia, trivia, it's a, uh, it's not your style of game. And to really do well, I mean, you got to know your stuff. It really challenges your movie skills. Well, it's tough because it's a team game, right? So like you have yeah, you have, you have two a weak partner, you're done for. Yeah, yeah, and like that's the thing is my girlfriend doesn't like movies, and so 
it's just pointless for me to play that game. Who doesn't like movies? What I, does she I, like? Quibi? I, well, to give you an example of how bad her movie taste is, she thinks Excellent Adventure is better than Bogus Journey. And I just can't believe it. Oh, uh, no. We had this conversation, dude. No. we. I agree. And I know that Bogus Journey is the inferior movie to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because we watched them back to back this weekend. Yeah. We have so, you watched it recently? Yes. I, I watched Bogus Journey like two days ago. And um we watched Excellent Adventure like maybe a month ago. I just I always fall asleep during Excellent Adventure. Like I I don't I don't Bogus Journey holds a special place in my heart. I still have the soundtrack on C D that I got like when the movie came out. I love Bogus Journey. Like I, I like I used to when I was like when I was like in they had to come out when I was in third or fourth grade. Right? That makes sense. Ten. I would have been ten and ninety one. And so uh -huh. um I remember driving around on my bike or riding around on my bike and pretending Terminator two had to be around the same time that I remember pretending bogus journey stuff. So Yeah, I have you gotten to watch the new one yet? No, I have it. I just haven't. We we watched Bogus Journey, like because we already watched Excellent Adventure, and I was like, "Hey, mm -hmm. let's watch the new one." She was like, "Do we need to watch the second one?" And I said, "Yes, because death is in part three. and so and so we haven't we haven't watched it yet. But I've heard yeah, heard nothing. But I good things. swore that I had shown my kids the first one, but it must have been either so long ago they don't remember it, or I was completely mistaken. Um, but we're really really anxious to watch part three. But I wanted them to have the understanding of, of these characters fresh on their minds to be able to appreciate it. And I, I've heard nothing but good things about the movie. So I'm really, really hopeful that it, you know, that it is as, as good as it says it is. So you haven't watched the new movie yet? No. That's perfect. Cause you still have to watch the cartoon and the um, sitcom that they made. Oh gosh, that sitcom, dude. <laughs> I think I blocked that out of my mind. How awful. Did you, How, did, did you it watch the cartoon? Like half a season, didn't it? Yeah, something like that. It was really bad. Did you watch the cartoon, though? I did watch the cartoon, and there were toys that went along with the cartoon, I think. Yep, there was. It was fun. I, I feel like there was good. also a video game. There was also an NES game. It had to come out around the same time. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. Probably. But it came I mean, out around the same time as the cartoon. Yeah. The, you know well, what's crazy about that movie? I know this isn't a Bill and Ted episode, but just for... they They wrote Excellent Adventure before Back to the Future came out. And it just kind of sat around and you would look at that movie and think that, oh, they're just, they're just taking this other really popular franchise and like making a riff on it. But actually mm -hmm. they had to make changes to Bill and Ted because they didn't want it to be compared to Back to the Future because originally the time machine was going to be their van. And um, oh. and then because the DeLorean, they were like, well, it can't be a it can't be a car, so we have to change that. And so wow. like apparently like when you watch the movie, the first one, you know how like the – um the the phone booth always like falls into a parking spot and so uh -huh. they had to change it because normally the van would have been pulling into the parking parking spot or pulling out of it and so like it's weird to have a phone booth in a parking lot but i don't know i guess you don't think about it too hard but yeah uh, yeah well i mean I, I saw a couple of those things like they would that's kind of weird but you know you, it's movies you, you let it yeah. go you let it mm -hmm. go well we might have to do that for a future episode of Wayback Attack. But right now, we are talking about back to school. And like I said at the top of the show, there's some things that we can all remember and look back fondly on. Um, you know, 
all the school school stuff. We're going to get a little bit more nuanced, I think, in this show, in this episode, than you might be prepared <laughs> for. But, um, Brian, take us into the new, uh, to the new segment here. Okay. So um, I'm going to to talk a little bit about it and then show you this clip. But, you know, back to school stuff, it's so crazy. Like, back to school was never really big with me. Um, but back to school and be, and playing on nostalgia and, and past, like, clothing trends and stuff like that is uh, apparently really big business. Okay, so you could say this fall, old school is new for school. Things that mom and dad liked back in the 80s and 90s are making a strong comeback now. So pull out your Walkman and throw on your Crocs. Want my MTV? All right, I'm just going to cut it off there because it gets into this really annoying I want my MTV thing. Um, <laughs> so there are tons and tons of back to school videos like to get your fashion ready for back to school and that like it's about the 80s and the 90s and it's so crazy to me because if you look it up on youtube there's like it's not just this past year like um like that that news clip that i just played was actually from 2019 so getting ready to go back to school for 2019 um for last year but like four or five years like 90s apparently 90s fashion has been hitting back to school and uh, i had no idea and you know so this episode you know the idea you came up with the idea for back to school and i was like okay cool back to school this will be super easy and then i was like man this is so hard i'm sitting there watching like all this stuff like all right i don't want it just to be movies i wanted to like try to talk about something else let me just look at some back to school stuff it all I could find on YouTube was like these fashion things of like, like you got to put these well, scrunchies that was, in your that hair. That was a huge prep, man. What, did you not like get excited about going to get back to school clothes? <laughs> no, no. Really? I, so I don't know if you can tell, but I am not the most fashion forward person. I, I just, <laughs> I, I literally never buy clothes. The only clothes that I own, um, I still wear some of the t-shirts that my dad gave me back in like 2000. 1 2002 when he was managing a bar and they would have all these bar shirts and he would just give me all these shirts for free so i still wear those sometimes like the only reason i have new clothes is because my girlfriend will buy me new clothes because i have zero desire to go shopping for new clothes the only time i buy i personally buy new stuff is if i have to buy it for work and so um but i i will say there was one year that i did get excited about back to school and that year was this year, it was seventh grade, all right? And this is a, a picture from that year's yearbook. And, and I, basically, I'm walking down this hallway. It looks like I'm eating something. Um, and these shoes that I'm wearing were, I had to have these shoes. And they're, I, I don't even remember what they were. I think they were Reeboks or something. But they're the ugliest shoes ever. And um, I had to yeah, have these I, shoes. I was so excited about them. I went to my my friend Jared, his his uh, dad, looked at my shoes and was like, wow, those are some extremely loud shoes, Brian. And I was like, yeah, they're great. I love them. <laughs> I remember different fashion trends, and that's kind of its whole other thing. But I, other than the year I wanted to get some Jabos, um, the shoes were the only thing that were the must-have. And that were that was the year that I had the Reebok pumps. I think going into seventh grade or eighth grade was have to have the the, the Reebok pumps. That late? Um, no way. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I, I had pumps in like fourth grade. 
Really? Well, you're maybe just cooler than me. <laughs> maybe I'm like, give me those BK nights, mom. <laughs> um, but the back to the school fashion stuff, I don't know about like trends. It, it was kind of interesting because going into school, you really don't know what the trends are yet because you got to like survey the environment. But I credit my mom for helping me like budget and really be a spendthrift because the way that it would work was she would go take us to the mall and she would say, okay, here is $100 each for me and my sister to get all of your back to school clothes. Now, of course, when I was a little, little kid, she'd just buy them or whatever. But mm-hmm. once you get into junior high, you kind of start having your own little fashion sense and you kind of want certain things like whatever. So it really got me uh, prepared for like getting the discount, working that sale, because I wanted to get as much as I possibly could with that $100 instead of, you know, just three brand name things in the end, so. Right. The, um, so I'm going to show, go back to this video or this picture. So this is, um, so back, back at this point, man, you know how I talked about how I didn't want to, I didn't ever want to, um, uh, by I, I I hate shopping. So like this whole ensemble here, except for the shoes, is my mom's doing. Okay, I look I look pretty reasonably and upstanding and stuff like that. The very next year, so this is this is me the next year, and I feel like this picture of me here is right in line with my look today. I, I have I obviously have more hair in that picture, but a black T-shirt and uh, and and. Like I was probably just keeping just wearing, it simple, right? Yeah, that's that's my whole thing. Because I specifically remember at some point talking to my mom about it and being like, you know, back then it was all about Tommy Hilfiger and um, polo and just having big um, the the uh, the big uh, like label or whatever, you know, like that was it. Just having the big like advertisement for that for that company or whatever. And I'd be like, people look like idiots. Like they're just like walking billboards. Like why would you why would you ever just want to have a big logo on a shirt like that? So mom, I want a big Johnson shirt. <laughs> Yeah, I so I went at that point. Big Johnson was was pretty big, but I went to a private school, and so they um Ooh. they nipped that in the bud. They they wouldn't they wouldn't <laughs> let people wear that stuff. But you'd see them at the mall all the time. Oh man, yeah, I uh, I was never fashion forward, and if I had anything that was like name brand, like those Jabos, they were definitely from like the clearance section. So they were the like the non popular color. They were like olive green or something instead of just regular blue jeans or whatever. So what are Jabos? You said that earlier and I was just nodded like I knew what you're talking about. Oh, you don't know? Oh, okay. No. Well, I mean, it's just a, it's a Marc, Marc, Marquis Francois Jabot. It's a French designer, I think. Hmm. And it was really popular where I was. And anybody in the chat want to back me up? Jabos, right? <laughs> no? Anybody? Okay. I, mean, I it wore- might just be me. I think I think I'm like when it came to jeans, I just wore like Bugle Boys, right? Bugle Boys made jeans, didn't they? Yeah, for yeah. Lamos. That was that was man. My mom bought my clothes. I was fine with it. Whatever. You wore Lee jeans, didn't you? Probably. <laughs> I, I wore whatever was cheap and like on uh, on clearance. We went to the like we went to the dirt mall, uh, and like in that town where that mall used to be, wound up becoming just like a Walmart, and then and then like an airbrush T-shirt shop. And then, and that was it. So, wow. Well, so everybody I'm sure can identify with those first days of school um, and wanting to look your best and, and, and wanting to make the, the right foot forward. 
everybody remembers pencils and your trapper keepers and stuff. Uh, what was your must-have item, Brian? Well, so my must-have item was something that I um, I was so jealous over my friend for uh, because he had one and I had to have one too. Since library communication is pathetic, here's the IR-7000 from Sega. Send messages back and forth to your hoodlum friends without getting busted. So get the message, get the IR-7000. She just called so your friends the, hoodlums, dude. <laughs> my friends were hoodlums. Oh. Well, yeah, knowing you, yes, that is an accurate <laughs> statement. So, so I said I went to this private school. Uh, my first year there was sixth grade, and I started this club um, at, at this at this private school that I was the leader of, uh, and it was called the Underachievers Club. And if you wanted to take the leadership spot, you had to purposely get a zero on a test, and someone did it. And they weren't in my friend group. It was just like somebody else in my class did it. And I got in trouble for promoting kids to do poorly in school. So, um, so yes, my, uh, I would say that my friends were the hoodlums of, of this school. Um, but uh, my friend Trey, I actually talked to him the other night. And uh, we, we were, I was texting him about this because um, I wanted to make sure it was – I thought that this was, that it was the same thing, and he said it was. But um, basically he had uh, – you know, it's it's like a um, it was a thing that that you usually saw businessmen and stuff like that had. You know, cell phones existed, but they were typically like bag phones or those big Motorola um, uh, fold up phones or whatever. Uh, and you could have like stuff on speed dial, but you didn't have the organizer like all these kids nowadays got. Uh, and their iPhones and Androids. And so basically, um, Casio made these uh, these data banks. And it was stuff for like, you know, your calendar, your contacts, you know, that kind of thing. And they were trying to branch out and start. Um, they wanted to get a new introduction for a new consumer base. And so Casio started making uh, these um, these things called the My Super Magical Diary. And so this was obviously marketed towards girls and basically it had all those same functions. And then they, they added some like some other stuff uh, for like uh, a better note pad and stuff like that, just so you could do your diary and that kind of thing. But um, Sega saw how popular this, this whole thing was becoming. And so they actually worked with Casio to make the, um, the Sega IR 7000 and it was essentially the exact same thing. Like, like those, those two, all they did was like rebrand it, throw a new game in, um, and that kind of thing. So it was something that you could easily hold with two hands. It was probably, if you have like the biggest iPhone nowadays, something like that, it was about that, probably that same size. Um, but it was the, um, <laughs> I meant I meant to go to this camera. <laughs> it was the same size, uh, but you know, horizontal. And so, like, you had a QWERTY keyboard, and you could 
take notes. The cool thing about this, and they, they talk about it in the commercial, is it had an IR sensor on it. So you could sit, if you had two of them in class, you could send notes back and forth to each other, basically texting uh, and, and uh, you know, communicate with your friends that way. There is this really, really simplistic um, like RPG game in it where you could pick a character and then um, and then just battle like um, CPU units. And I think you could also use the IR sensor, do a two player battle and, and that kind of thing. Wow, as well. that's pretty advanced. How much do these cost? They were not that expensive. I don't remember how much they are, how much they were then. It was, I feel, I want to say 80 bucks, which was probably expensive in, eight, in 94. Uh, yeah, you can find them now. Well, yeah, probably. Like, if I think so, I always put it in terms of video game consoles, especially with Sega making it. The 3DO, the the Panasonic 3DO came out around the same time at seven hundred dollars, right? And so, uh, you know, and then you had the the Neo Geo at the same time for like nine hundred dollars. And nobody so. you knew ever had those systems because they were so expensive. That's not true. My friend Trey had it. That that also had this, and I had one too. But I got one when they were five hundred dollars. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, uh, I, th you can buy them now on eBay and I've, I've really thought about it because I still am jealous about it. Uh, cause he said he still has it at his parents' house. Um, but, uh, they're only like 64 bucks, something like that shipped. Uh, so wow. yeah, That's I've cool. thought about, I've thought about picking one up. I just don't know yeah, what to do with it. It seems like a fun version of the, uh, what TI 85 or TI 80, whatever that mm -hmm. big fancy graphing calculator is that cost a hundred dollars. Yeah, I would much rather have this one. It was cool too because you know, obviously, this was before you took pictures of people to assign the contacts. So when you were adding a contact to it, they had like different avatars that you could like. Oh yeah, this one looks kind of like this person and, and stuff like that. So it was it was a really cool thing. That's uh, awesome, so, man. Yeah. Uh, this next thing though, I'm I'm. I'm going to probably let you talk about it a little bit since I just talked a whole bunch about that thing. Uh, but this is something I think that probably everybody that we went to school with had at the time. I figure there are basically two kinds of people. Those who can't get it together and those who can't. Now, this may surprise you, but organization is not the result of being born a neat freak or a nerd with an oversized brain. No, organization is the result of owning the tracker. It's got a security flap, see-through pocket, and lots of folders to keep you organized and together. Face it, when it comes to organization, you either got it, or you don't. The Trapper, from me. Now, that commercial was interesting because they just called it The Trapper. Were they just being yep. hip? Or was it, when did they start calling it Trapper Keeper? I don't because the the thing the thing said Trapper Keeper on it like okay. like the actual binder and so I don't I think that maybe you know the nineties was all about attitude and stuff so maybe <laughs> like maybe it was that kid like they were shooting that commercial that was probably like the like producer's kid and he was like yeah call it the Trapper and he's like hey that's what we're calling it this time <laughs> uh, yeah you're right man um, I can talk a little bit about it because I think almost everybody had one and. I mean, I, I can't wax poetically about it because it was so ubiquitous mm -hmm. that I didn't lock in my brain which one or ones I had over time. Like, I can't even remember, like, a specific design. I probably was lame and just had some sort of, like, solid color graphic thing, maybe, like, some 90s street texture or something. Mm -hmm. But... I 
No, I can show I you mean, the one that I have or had. Oh, really? Look at that. This isn't a, this isn't my personal one, but this was the actual one that I had. Um, oh, that's glorious. That design. Yeah, man. That one was awesome. And then turquoise like, uh, with squiggles and a bright orange uh, sphere on there. Uh -huh. It is very, very of the age. This 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 middle left folder. I, I specifically remember having that middle left folder. Also, I'm pretty sure I had the glasses one as well. Uh, but so these, the, it was basically like a maze with like floating balls and, and space kind of thing. Um, wow. But that was that was my my aesthetic back then. So I can't believe that you don't remember which one you had. I think I might have had. If you go back, I think I might have had that um, middle on the left one of just the. Um, it looks like you're playing Marble Madness or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, I, d I definitely remember that one. I wish I had that top left one, that Freddy Krueger one. I don't ever remember that folder. But now, that's thinking, of, thinking about it, I kind of remember, like, this was a big market back then. Because I, I feel like I remember, go like, being in the back-to-school section and, like, there just being tons of these, like, folder dividers and stuff like that uh, that you could yeah. put in your Trapper Keeper. It was big business, baby. It is. It really makes me upset that I didn't keep any of that stuff because those sell for big bucks now and they're real collectible. And um, it makes me think when I also go through the school aisles for my kids now, I'm like, okay, I wonder what is going to be of the cultural zeitgeist that is nostalgic 20 mm -hmm. years from now. And I, and I try to get some stuff that I think will be kitschy and, and fun for the kids that they like that we might be able to squirrel away for them to be happy to pull out of a box 20 years from now. Yeah. The um so, you know, those designs that I had, I must have been younger than when Mead rolled out the the no rules um the no rules line uh because I specifically remember having these no rules lines and it had to have been 7th grade maybe because uh this particular notebook uh, again not mine but I had this this one um I For those who can't see it, it is a tiger holding a basketball in a yep. very intense gaze digging his claws into it i drew a lot back then and i thought about bringing because because part of my back to school thing was having big drawing pads uh because i used to like sit around and draw on them and stuff like that but i specifically remember copying that tiger's face um i also had the cool guy on a surfboard holding a shark fin uh i, I had that one and i this is a trapper keeper, but I had a, it must've been a notebook also. Uh, but I specifically remember this cool guy on his BMX being th th thrown through the air on a tornado. So oh my gosh, that is glorious. I, that's the one I want to find now. You, you've set me on a mission that, that is so great. <laughs> uh, we got a comment that Lisa Frank or bust is the way to go. You know, did they, I, I wonder, did they make Lisa Frank, uh, Trapper Keeper branded, or was it all totally separate? Because I know I, they made Garbage Pail. You know that we had that we talked about the Freddy Krueger stuff. Mm -hmm. I know they made Garbage Pail Kid folders. Now I wonder if were they licensed branded Trapper Keeper folders, or were they just totally separate? I, they they would never have licensed them, right? So I know I, I'm sure that there were just like folders that had three holes in them that you would put in a Trapper Keeper, um, yeah. and I'm sure Lisa Frank had them. So it's so funny because, you know, those those YouTube videos of like getting ready back to school, Lisa Frank is a huge part of like you're you're getting your 90s look together for this thing. It's getting a bunch of Lisa Frank things, the pen, um, the pen holder things that, you know, you put on your pencil or whatever. And it was like squishy the triangular ones. Yeah. Or the little and, yeah, the little squishy ones. 
Uh-huh. And then yeah. the um like the the pen toppers, like the fuzzy things like that. But yeah, I um I do I did like the pencil holder things, but uh I never had any Lisa Frank stuff, which is surprising considering I have four four sisters. Uh, that none of that blood over. So, all right. Well, if any of you guys find good deals on a gnarly trapper keeper like that, shoot it my way at Squared Stiff on Twitter. I would love to check that out and just put it on a shelf, make a little shrine for it. The kids these days will not know the power of the trapper keeper. <laughs> but, well, we're gonna go a little weird here, and that's my fault. So we we've talked a little bit about something that. You know, everybody remembers. Everybody remembers Trapper Keepers. Everybody had folders, right? But not everybody <laughs> had a library skills adventure show in a post-apocalyptic time frame. But I did. talking about things that people can all collectively remember and have nostalgic feelings for but I, i'm also proud of the times where i can ex introduce our listeners and our viewers to something completely different and i'm hoping that's the case here but i also hope we have at least one or two people that actually remember this with me so i'm talking about a series an educational series called tomes and talismans talismans uh that came out in 1986 but it was a video series and it was just shown in school whenever so i didn't see it until at least like 90 91 but it was still being shown it is worthy of youtube looking on youtube for this because the aesthetics are just crazy so just a rundown this is a 20-minute episode uh, in 13 different episodic shorts where they taught you library skills, like how to use the Dewey Decimal System. What's the difference between title cards and uh, reference materials and all those kinds of things? And so you'd think, man, that's really, really boring. And it was. But... <laughs> Here's the twist. They set it dramatically to take place where a librarian or a, uh, a special keeper of the reference materials of all of history has to walk through and describe this stuff to essentially aliens who haven't visited the planet in a long time. So j just the rundown. I know I'm a little long-winded here, but... <laughs> The little description off of Wikipedia starts off, In the late 21st century, Earth is overcrowded and polluted. An alien race from the dark star solar system called the Wipers, who look human, start to colonize a planet and go about destroying communications and data technology. But in 2117, humans start to evacuate the planet for a place called the White Crystal Solar System. Then, 100 years later, uh, sorry, then very closely... In 2123, the last of the humans are getting ready to evacuate. And that's where the first episode starts off. So 
a hundred years later, these former uh, planet dwellers come down to Earth and have to figure out how to navigate the system to retrieve their history. It's crazy, dude. Have you dug around on that first episode at all? No, I man, I dig that theme song. That that is so good. Uh, but no, um, I I I don't. I never have seen this. You know, when I was in school, the only time really that we watched anything like that, like on TV, was before class started. It was usually Scooby Doo. Um, so I don't I don't ever remember uh, the show. Uh, now I've got to watch it though. Like it's it it man that setup that intro is so good. The theme song is so good. It's really bummed me out that you're saying that this is really boring. <laughs> no no no. The library skills part is very boring. But like the world they set up, it, it felt like it felt like a gateway to like the red red dwarf or Doctor Who or something. They had really a it was low budget. Don't get me wrong, but they had elaborate sets. They went on location different places. And um, like I said, it was post-apocalyptic. So mm -hmm. it's disappointing because only the first episode is available to watch on YouTube. It's hosted by Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Um, when it originally aired, it was produced by Mississippi Educational Television or Mississippi ETV. And so they're hosting the first episode, and you can watch that. But the rest of the other 12 episodes, you can't find anywhere. And it stinks because the first episode is so much set up. And they're in the kind of the modern time that you don't get to see the future where the world is desolate and abandoned and these people come down. Um, I will point out that there is a YouTuber who is also very affected by this series, obviously like me, um, YouTuber named Too Many Tapes. And he puts up a great retrospective and he actually has some footage of some of the later episodes. And so you can kind of see what it looks like. But... It's so great. This was filmed in 85, released in 86. And so it's so cool to see what the past thought the future would look like or how like <laughs> the current um, styles and fashions interpret what the future would look like. So it looks like it looks like the 80s, right? <laughs> I mean, it's the future, but it looks like the 80s. It's so great. It's so great. Um. It's, it's funny are. how it's funny how that works because you know the like you know just watching like the Bill and Ted movies and like looking at their future like what they thought the future would be, um, which ultimately was just like '90s like high fashion I guess. Um, but the uh, I was thinking about it with like man, what has really gotten the future right? And all I can think of is like, I guess it doesn't really go into much detail, but like Neuromancer has done a really great, like, oh, like was coming to mind because all I could think about was, um, oh, Elon Musk's brain chip that he's doing. And I'm just like, man, like that stuff's just all going to come true. Like all these, like all the corporate dystopia is, is going to be the thing that happens. And I was like, yeah, Neuromancer, you did it. <laughs> so. I, I must have good taste. And even though this is very, very hard to find, it definitely locked in the brains of some people like me. Aside from the YouTuber I just mentioned, this actually also has a New Yorker article about it um, from 2010. Someone wrote about it and they said, um, it's quite possibly the finest post-apocalyptic educational series about library science ever produced by Mississippi Public Television. I mean... If that's not a grandiose statement, I don't know what is. 
Um, and they might give a more concise, uh, let me read you this. This is from the New Yorker. Let me give you the more concise plot summary. Set in the year two, 2223, the 13-episode dystopian drama follows the saga of Miss Bookhart, an impossibly devoted and improbably, improbably named librarian. Earth has been colonized by a race of malevolent beings known as wipers, whose favorite pastime is the destruction of communication technology, especially books. After an unlikely series of events involving a bookmobile and some microfiche, Miss Bookhart finds herself the last human on the planet. She quickly befriends a group of extraterrestrial tweens called the Users and, spoiler alert, through their collective mastery of library science, from the card catalog to Bartlett's familiar quotations to the reader's guide of periodical literature, they ultimately vanquish the evil wipers. It's right? all about organization, baby. They, they <laughs> had it. They had it in the eighties. Trapper keeper teaching the Dewey Decimal System. That that's what's going to save the day in, in the long run. So if my friend on Twitter, Pastel Paperback, is listening and has not experienced this, you definitely need to go look this up. Um, she is in the library sciences herself and would certainly appreciate this. But I'm curious to know if other folks got to watch this because I know it wasn't just aired in Mississippi. Like, I'm pretty sure you could probably purchase the VHS tapes. Um, and so I don't know how far flung it got, but I, I saw people in other countries have experienced this, but it's very, I mean, you either saw it or you didn't and it either made an impression or it didn't. So this is like a, a niche of a niche of a niche. So I'm very happy to show it. Check it out if you can. Yeah. I'm and then gonna, petition I'm... and then petition Mississippi public broadcasting <laughs> so they can release the other footage uh, of the other episodes for us to watch and enjoy. I think, I think that you should really push for like a 4k um, remaster of, of it. So uh, which I learned how they do the other day. And I think that it's, it's really simple. Like the concept is really simple and I'm surprised that, uh, everything hasn't been done that way, but, um, I'm going to have to watch that first episode. And, uh, because that theme song really, it's just the theme song is, is, is what's got its hooks in me. Um, it's so kind of, it's, a, it's a little eerie and dark. It's a little unsolved mysteries, kind of mm -hmm. a little, I don't know, a little supernatural, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I gotta watch that first episode, and um, hopefully, uh, I'll be I'll be excited about about watching the rest. Um, and then you'll be able to use the card catalog like a wizard. <laughs> yeah, I I I never had issues with finding things in libraries. Now, if you ask me today to use the Dewey Decimal System, I don't think I remember. <laughs> like, I don't think I remember how to use it. But I, no. I remember specifically being able to find things really simply. So. All, All right. Preston. Well, um, again, check out the. Uh, it's called Tomes and Talismans, and I would give a shout out to Too Many Tapes on YouTube for a great retrospective to to keep you up to speed. Cool. Uh, well, so I'm gonna watch that first episode, and then today uh, I watched the first episode of this one. <laughs>
If you didn't recognize that sound, that was the theme song to Parker Lewis, Can't Lose, which should have more recognition than it does. And obviously has enough recognition that they did it in another language because I just noticed that that <laughs> intro was, was, was French, maybe? I don't uh, know. I saw Jamaz <laughs> yeah. was, was part of it. It's very interesting. So we picked a, a French version of that. But um, Parker Lewis can't lose. Uh, did you watch that, Brian? Uh, growing so up, I, I, I did catch a couple. I, I specifically, a, I remember that theme song, and I don't know why, but like, like that that theme song sticks out to me for some reason. Uh, I do know that I saw a couple episodes here and there. What year was the show? So this one, it, only three seasons, mm -hmm. um, 73 episodes total, but it aired from 1990 to 1993 on Fox. And I may have seen some episodes here and there, but where I remember it was in starting in 1993, it hit syndication on USA. Oh, I that's probably where I saw the couple episodes then too. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, that yeah, because I was trying to like, do you know what night it aired on Fox? No, I have no idea. Mm, yeah, so I, like I don't know why. Um, it seems like a show that I would have watched. Maybe it was a little too old for me uh, at that time because I would have been like nine at in ninety. So yeah, so um, Parker Lewis can't lose. It's obviously a ripoff or very heavily inspired by Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yep. Um, it takes place almost entirely in school. Uh, I would say 90% of the episodes take place in the school. And it's very, it, it, it borrows a lot of features uh, and beats from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So much for so much so that instead of the, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember that sound in Ferris Bueller's yes. Day Off? Mm -hmm. All right. So instead of, they have, Chicka cha yeah. or chicka chicka cha or something uh -huh. like it's very it's like almost there but not quite it's it's even more than that because i i had not looked at your notes when i watched this episode even the cadence at which he speaks is is very like all i could think of is like wow he's just talking just like ferris bueller like 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 you should it would like go into that first episode uh and it's uh it, it's on crackle and uh and man like i was just like i wow th this has to have been like a a choice that someone made like okay we want you to talk just like ferris bueller so watch that movie a whole bunch and then i want you to talk just like him it's weird because it's a um uh, you know, it, it borrows a lot from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm -hmm. um, some of the style, some of the cadence, like you mentioned. Obviously, like almost the the whole theme of it, where there's this one kind of just very suave, smooth operator named Parker Lewis instead of Ferris Bueller, who kind of has the run of the school as he works the system as he sees fit with some of his friends. The principal's out to get him. He, the principal knows she knows that he's up to no good. There's some shenanigans going on, trying to get him thrown out of school, but he always has the upper hand, um, chasing after a girl, and uh, it adds a few little elements like a, a giant bully, you know, um, some love interest. The the parental aspect is a little bit similar too, but what's cool about this one is that it kind of set a style. I think. It, 
it borrowed, yes, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but it was very 90s in its style and its cuts and mm-hmm. its pacing. And I don't know. It inspired, I think, if, you, if you're a fan of Malcolm in the Middle or Ally McBeal or even Scrubs, I'd say that um, you have Parker Lewis Can't Lose to thank for that. Because a lot of those quick cuts and the humor and the way it's just kind of slapsticky a little bit. Dancing babies. Um, put... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that Parker Lewis Can't Lose kind of um, planted that flag first. Yeah. The, uh, you know, so when I went into it, I, I was immediately going, okay, this is like a like 90s edgy teen version of say by the bell right uh mm-hmm. especially like the way he's like describing his friends in the first episode and that kind of thing but yeah man like you like the ferris bueller influence is, is so crazy to me like how i guess they felt like enough time had passed and you know that movie was still being aired every sunday uh while you're waiting uh to get your oil changed or your tires changed on your car and you're sitting at the uh, car place with your stepdad and then watching like that movie on USA or whatever on Sundays. So uh, they were like, Hey, we got the thing for that guy. <laughs> so, so the, the cast in this is pretty cool because th- they have a lot of people that you would recognize, but maybe not from what. So the main actor is Corin Nemec and he, I mostly remembered him from the movie, the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, you would recognize him for sure. He's had a long acting career, which is kind of, you know, mostly sp- bit roles on TV and stuff. He's still acting. And then um, they had uh, the dad was Timothy Stack from, he went on to star in Son of the Beach. You know mm-hmm. that guy? Yep. Um, they had comedian John Panetta. Uh, they have the, the, his best friend is the little brother from Guys Like Us. Or mm-hmm. no, just one of the guys. Mm-hmm. Remember that movie? Yep. Uh, his his so, little sister is somebody too. Oh yeah, his little sister was she grew up to be on that show Step by Step. Yes, yep. Mhm. Um and then they also had guest stars. So they had Ozzy Osbourne and Ray Walston, Donny Osmond, Weird Al showed up on this stuff and even the cast as themselves of uh, Beverly Hills 90210 apparently one episode. So star-studded and I don't think I'm the only person that really liked the show. I, you know, truth be told, I like this show more than Saved by the Bell. I think I just was exposed to Saved by the Bell more because of mm-hmm. the Saturday morning cartoon link. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is much more my jam. And it must be other people's jams because it is name dropped by Fallout Boy, House of Pain, and Childish Gambino. So, Parker Lewis can't lose, man. Maybe I'll have to watch more episodes of it. I um, Was the whole season available on Crackle? Or I guess all three seasons, I mean? Yeah, I think so. So, if you can put up with ads, you can uh, enjoy Parker Lewis can't lose on Crackle, man. And uh, use those catchphrases in real life. And synchronize your swatches. <laughs> and no problem. Watch it on Crackle. And be like, chicka cha. <laughs> Chicka, 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 chicka. (laughs) 
How you doing? I'm Craig Jackson. And I'm Jared Friesen, and this is Channel One for Friday, March 4th. It's the never-ending winter for the East Coast. Snow, sleet, and ice have hit once again, making this latest storm number 15. Serena Alchel is in New York with the story. Craig, I'm standing on a rooftop in New York City, and it is freezing. New York's not a... Okay. So I know my, very, my last one that I did uh, <laughs> was, was very niche, and um, I may be the only person that listens or sh watches the show that will ever have heard of it. But there are probably a handful of people that know about Channel One News. Now, you don't know about Channel One News, do you, Brian? I have no idea what this is. Okay. Well, I'm happy to tell you all about it. So that was just an indiscriminate clip from an episode in 1994 that I could find. There's actually not very many recorded episodes on YouTube. Um, but this was a, a news segment or like a news show that was broadcast to schools for them to air. I think it was about a 10-minute block of top highlights of the news and then some sly um, product placement news items and then some commercials too. And what's cool about this is that Channel One uh, is like the the launch point for so many news anchors that are still in business today. Huh. And so, uh, like, there's a lot of folks that you wouldn't recognize their name, but you would be like, oh, wow, they went to CBS, they went to NBC, they went to Fox News, they went to all these different places. Um, but uh, famous anchors that graduated from this series is Anderson Cooper, Lisa Ling, Maria Menounos of E!, and as you heard, Serena Alshul from MTV News, and then I think now she's with CBS News. And so, you never saw this? I never saw this. The only school that I went to that had, like, video stuff was was in Key West in, in high school. Um, that was the only school that I ever went to that had, like, we had, like, announcements over the PA or whatever, but... Uh, and, and Key West, that was, and it was all done in house. It was all like the s kids from the s from school, like, and what I don't know. They're probably in some kind of club or something. They were doing that. But was this something that was like broadcast to multiple schools? Yeah, yeah. So the way this worked was this is basically there's a little bit of controversy behind this because the Channel One when they launched, they launched in 1989 with only four different schools as like a pilot, but then it, it had a national rollout in 1990. And um, what they did was they provided schools with TVs and satellite dishes hmm. in exchange for airing these. Like they had to agree to show this every day. And basically it was like magazines, right? Magazines, they charge pennies for the most part to subscribers. They just want that large subscriber count to be able to to book advertisers and right these advertisers had the most captive teenager audience right there because they were forced to watch this show basically <laughs> um because the way it worked for me is you get to school you go to the homeroom bell rings you go to homeroom they say the daily announcements and then they crank on channel one and then once channel one is over then you would go to your your next class so you know, you're watching the news, you're seeing about the, you know, the war in Iraq, and then you're being pitched Starburst 
or clear sill pads or whatever. So Pepsi clear. Yeah. Right. Or crystal clear clipsing. Yeah. So this so, is crazy to me. It, so it, it, it wasn't live, right? No, I, I mean, it was recent. Yeah. Like they, it's very, it was topical. I don't mm -hmm. think it had the, the night's news, you know, like, I don't think okay. they were the next day, but uh, I think they were, they're pretty, pretty on point um, as far as how timely they were. And it was just streamed into the satellite. It wasn't a VHS system or a tape system, but yeah, every day, ten, about mm. 10 minutes or so. And That's interestingly enough, like the reason I think people will, you know, some of our listeners might remember it is because um, it ran from, like I said, 1990 was the initial rollout all the way to 2018. So 28 wow. years they were doing this stuff. You, you, you can go online and, and watch um, their finale video and they go through and they highlight like all these famous anchors saying goodbye and stuff. It's pretty cool. That's crazy. I cannot believe that it lasted that long. Um, wow. That's, that's insane. How many, well, I guess you probably only went to like one school, huh? Like I no, jumped around. No. Well, I went to one school district. <clears throat> uh -huh. I don't know if I've talked about this before. So I moved to Cl the Clinton public school district, um, in 1990 for fifth grade. Mm -hmm. Um, but so I went from fifth grade till I graduated high school at the Clinton Public School District. Their school system is very, very, very interesting um, in that they have separate schools for K-1. Then they have a separate school for second, third, separate school for fourth and fifth, a separate school just for sixth, a separate school for seventh and eighth junior high, separate school just for ninth, and then 10th, 11th, 12th. Wow. So I think, I don't think I started watching it though until high school. I think it may have been ninth grade, like 94 mm -hmm. was probably my first year being exposed to this, but they made it packed with the devil. So they could get those free TVs, bro. And you, so every school that you went to after you started seeing it, they all had this thing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. Hmm, that's crazy. That's crazy that there's so many, that the schools are set up that way over there. Like I, I went to a lot of different schools just because I moved a lot, but like, uh, that would be, at least you're probably in the same classes with the same people you knew, right? Oh yeah. It was, I mean, it was, it wasn't a huge school district. So uh -huh. every year you just go up to a different school with the same people you did. You didn't really, you didn't merge with other schools. Mm. Um, so it was neat, but Hey, they got written up and, um, written up in Vanity Fair. It's a pretty cool education model. So I got a good education. We'll but I also that. got, maybe I can credit some of that education to Channel One News. Yeah, the, <laughs> check it uh, out. He, hey, it led to you doing your own broadcast career, um, and you know you didn't have to go back to school to do it. Rodney Dangerfield. When I used to dream about going to college, this is the way I always pictured it: is going back to school. When did you dream about going to college? When I used to fall asleep in high school. That's what I call marine biology. <laughs> Who is that? Hey, boys, here's a couple of pens in case you learn how to ride. Okay. World's oldest living freshman. Rodney Dangerfield. What? Back to school. Rated PG-13. All right, I know it's a little on the nose to talk about the movie Back to School on our Back to School episode, but I can't, I can't just talk about tomes and talismans and Channel 1 News 
<laughs> I have to give something to the people. The people demand pop culture nostalgia. So mm -hmm. I'm here to bring it to you with Back to School and Rodney Dangerfield. I just again watched this movie today to freshen my refresh my memory. And it still holds up. Still very, very entertaining. Classic. Good. I'm I'm glad to hear that it holds up because you know, we talked about different different movies and stuff like that. And one of the movies that I had originally thought about was the nerds movies, and I was like, Oh man, I bet those movies don't hold up at all. Like I bet they're so Oh dude, I've seen those not not like in the past year, but I've seen those somewhat recently and they are they would not fly today. It is so <laughs> some of them are so bad. I mean, like the panty raid scene and stuff. It's just uh -huh. awful. Yeah. Did Did you ever? I'm I'm sorry to get sidetracked with Revenge of the Nerds, but did you ever see the straight to TV movie that they did also when they were like adults and like grown up and stuff? No. Oh, I think it aired on Fox. Um, but I was super excited about it. Like the um, you know, it, it was, I, I don't it know, was man. Good. Maybe it was. Maybe you're confusing because they've had like sequel after sequel after sequel so maybe you're just thinking one of the sequels i this one i, I so it was that same cast and they were old and like the i can't remember the preppy guy's name but he was like a car like a used car salesman or something like that and uh but anyways i don't know i'll have we'll have to look it up maybe we'll just do an episode about revenge of the nerds <laughs> oh oh boy i can't wait <laughs> all right um, i will say this one thing i didn't remember about back to school uh-huh was how many other great people and great actors were in this? You know, I, of course, remembered Rodney Dangerfield. But right. I had completely forgotten that also in this movie are these illustrious stars. Robert Downey Jr., Emmett Walsh, Terry Farrell, which you may not recognize the name, but she played Jadzia Dax on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> uh, William Zabka, Ned Beatty, Sally Kellerman. Again, you may not recognize her name, but she played Hot Lips in the original MASH, MASH movie. Adrian Barbeau, and uh, of course, Roddy Dangerfield, and even Kurt Vonnegut himself <laughs> uh, shows up in Back to School. So quite uh, quite the cast. Quite the I cast. cannot believe that you missed somebody, Preston. Ooh. Ow, ow! Oh, I did. I, he was even in my notes. I just read past him. <laughs> Sam Kennison. Sam mm -hmm. the man Kennison. Yep. Um, I, the reason... That so so when we were when we were thinking about this episode, you know, I thought about nerds, but I also thought about this movie, obviously because of the title. But the um, they I was introduced to both these movies at the same time. My stepmom was really big about recording things to tape and trying to make it professional. Like she would make like you know she would cut out pictures from magazines and stuff and like try to make like box art and stuff uh for for the tape things but revenge of the nerds and back to school were both movies that we had um and so like i watched uh, like i watched this a ton when i was probably like around 10 or 11 uh, it was it was part of of my upbringing and you know it is funny to like look back like you know and see all those people because back then like i the only person i probably knew and I, I wouldn't have known his actual name, but it was Sam Kennison. Uh, but, you know, like I just knew him from being in other things and like that whole his whole bit, the screaming bit and that kind of thing. Because, you know, he does. Of, of course, he does that in this movie. So. Yeah. Um, for those who may not have seen this movie. Uh, which I feel sorry for you if you haven't. This movie is about Rodney Dangerfield's the main character. And he plays a. Uh, Jeez, I, why, why did I not know his first name? 
but Mellon mm-hmm. is his last name, and he is a clothing magnate with a <laughs> with his tall melons tall and fat stores <laughs> so not a big and tall store a tall and fat store um and he uh he and his wife have had some problems they're getting divorced his son's off in college and his son is not having a great time and kind of blows him off and so he goes to visit him in person and when he's there he decides he's going to get the education he never had support his son and attend college and so he to get in which is great to get in he basically just buys his way in by donating enough money for them to build a business school with his name on it <laughs> uh a lot of great foils a lot of uh a lot of good actors like i already mentioned um uh, but it's it's also good just because it's it's classic 80s i mean any movie with billy zabka it's going to be a classic 80s movie and and rodney dangerfield like like he was the best. When I was a kid, I loved Roddy Dangerfield. In fact, he was so popular with kids, which is weird, that they made a cartoon show where he was a dog. You remember that show? Yeah, uh, Rover Dangerfield, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like that's a, it, that's a weird thing. You know, the '80s were really weird about taking things that were obviously not meant for kids and somehow like ramming it into a, a kid package. So. Yeah, RoboCop, uh, mm-hmm. I Rambo. I mean, so many, so many mm-hmm. bad shows that are kid, not kid friendly. This one was, um, I think, aside from some swearing and, I mean, it's the 80s, so you had at least one uh, bare breast scene. Yep. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, I think it was pretty tame. So it might be one to watch with some of your older kids. Um, for those people who like little history facts, this came out in 1986. Um, it earned $91 million in box office take on an $11 million budget and was the sixth highest grossing movie of the year, the second highest comedy after Crocodile Dundee. So this was a huge hit. Um, and even, I, I mentioned some of the actors that showed up and there are some guest stars, but uh, it even had Oingo Boingo. Danny Elfman and his band uh, did some of the music and performed in the movie as themselves. Mm-hmm. And then um, even the the one kid that I didn't recognize, which was Roddy Dangerfield's son, Jason Mellon, was played by an actor named Keith Gordon. But even he's gone on to do great things just kind of behind the camera. He's directed Dexter, Better Call Saul, Homeland, and Fargo. So quite illustrious. But if you want to see Robert Downey Jr., before he got his teeth fixed, this, my friend, is the movie for you. I, I love watching movies like that. Like Tom Cruise is a is a big one that I'm always like I like I like just watching the legend trailer and being like, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Robert Downey Jr. in this one reminded me a lot of John Cryer in Hiding Out, where mm-hmm. he had like the long kind of eighties trench coat look and then the slick back slicked up hair with uh, crazy colors and stuff. A very unique look. Now, this movie, whether you've seen it or not, it has gained uh, a little pop culture significance even outside of itself. My daughters know Back to School without knowing Back to School because of a very, very famous meme. (laughs) 
Now, what's great about that is that, you know, the internet's an amazing beast. And I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if some rando just made that up. But that mm. was actually created and released on the official Rodney Dangerfield YouTube channel. <laughs> so that's why it had the little tie wag at the end. Um, if you were just listening, that was uh, a meme called the Shooting Stars meme to Rodney Dangerfield's Triple Lindy dive at the end of back to school do they explain well, i mean I'm, I'm sure they do why is he so good at diving because it's not <laughs> just the triple lindy like they they show it through multiple times in the movie right yeah yeah Th this is something i wanted to talk about i, I love how obscure the, the sports hook is in this movie <laughs> i respect the diving as uh, diving as a sport it's really cool i wish i could do it but like how we how weird right like why don't they just pick ping pong or something i mean it's equally as obscure as like a collegiate sport there i don't know there have been there could be so many other things but i guess for the purpose of roddy dangerfield mm -hmm. and being a crazy diver the was comedic a, value. a comedic gold mm -hmm. but yeah um i didn't even remember that that was called the triple lindy until i started eating at moe's southwest grill Mm -hmm. And they have a burrito called the Triple Lindy. And then someone told me that, that, was, that that's what it was from. And I was like, oh, cool name. Makes sense. But I just yeah. love that my kids know the Triple Lindy. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 love, uh, I, I love that meme. Um, it's very good. And, you know, you're worried about the original trailer tripping us up for, uh, for copyright infringement. I guarantee you we get hit for that, for that music. So <laughs> You think? <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. I, so if you're uh, watching this and it's not in the video, then you missed something great. We'll put it in the link. I have to clip that one out. But yeah. Hey, listen, Brian. Yes. Do you remember last episode of our show? We were giving away some sweet, sweet swag. I do remember that. Yeah. So we had a giveaway, um, uh, and. We have a winner. So we had some people write in to offer up their memories of their favorite Ninja Turtle memories. We had uh, a winner. Jason Lockard is going to win the, um, the digital cartoon bundle. And he wrote in that his favorite memory was being a very small child, collecting episodes on VHS from the Burger King Kids Club. Did you also get those videos, Brian? You have all of oh. them, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, I was all about that life, son. <laughs> yep. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll shoot an email to, to Jason for the winner. And then be, be on the lookout, too, for, for, more, um, for more prize giveaways mm -hmm. uh, and digital downloads. We'll be announcing some of those soon. So thanks for playing. Thanks for sending in, um, sending in those comments. But the comments you send in... Don't have to just be about prizes, okay? We love to hear from you. We appreciate you listening to the show. We want to hear what you think. We want to answer any questions you may have. 
We also want to hear if you have any new ideas for the show because it can get a little tiring uh, and it's hard racking our brain for some of these, some of these ideas. <laughs> but uh, let us know what you think. You can hit us up at our email address, waybackattackshow at gmail.com. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter at Squared Stiff, the show Waybackattack, uh, Wayback underscore attack on Twitter. Brian, where can they find you? You can find me at B.E. Grantham. Uh, and um, yeah, you know, we love hearing everything. You know, we're coming up on our one year and I'm sure you don't want to hear uh, another episode about um, anthologies. So, because <laughs> yeah, we, we kicked off the we kicked it off with Creep Show, and uh, I know Halloween's coming up. We've time to get into the spooky season. I bet you got some great ideas of stuff you want to hear. Um, yeah, let us know. Yeah. So, um, I want to thank you, Preston, for uh, for in introducing me to um, the TV that you watched while you were in school. <laughs> Uh, because um, now I'm gonna have to. I'm definitely gonna check out that um, the uh, tomes and well, talismans. Tome, yes, that one, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that intro is amazing. So um, if you would like to check it out too, uh, you know, if you remember that or Channel One, please leave us an email because I would. I personally want to read uh, any experiences that people had with those because uh, I have just never heard of those things. So, um, but thank you so much. Uh, for tuning in and um, and like I said thank you Preston for introducing me to new things and uh, I guess we will see you guys uh, later later